Hello and welcome back to another episode of the CPO Strategy Podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by George Roche, Vice President of Direct Procurement Strategy at Jagger. It's a really great conversation today centered around digitalization strategies and how Jagger has become a leading industry force in procurement. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the CPO Strategy Podcast. The dedicated procurement podcast brought to you by CPO Strategy Magazine that delivers valuable C-level perspective into the core issues surrounding procurement transformation, digitalization, sustainability, talent, the procure tech ecosystem, and more. Each episode delivers powerful and inspiring insight from those who are leading transformation strategies within the world's biggest and best-known companies. The CPO Strategy Podcast. Disrupt. Transform. Evolve. The road in which procurement professionals end up where they do is always an interesting one. The truth is, everyone has a different story. So here, Joel Roche gives us an insight into where it all began for him and the journey to his career with Jagger beginning. I would say I stumbled into this whole procurement space. Uh, honestly, I'm, I was always a technology person. I had a very, very uh, early um, interest in computers and everything technology and so on. So, but when everybody was playing video games, I was playing around with software and started coding and so on. So this is what actually got me started in, uh, in IT, uh, I have to say. And Honestly, one thing led to another, and I kind of uh, found myself in a small procurement startup uh, in Vienna uh, in development. And um, this is when I found out that this is actually really interesting stuff. Not in the beginning, to be fully fair. I was like, what is all of that? Um, but no, I, I really grew into it and uh, and really... I really like it today. And I'm doing this for more than 20 years now. So um, I think I'm here to stay. Honestly, I didn't even know that that is a field that I could go into. And I think that's what many people um, feel when they end up in procurement. Um, uh, but no, I, I still love um, uh, IT and everything technology related. Uh, and how we can use this in procurement is really what I'm, what I'm interested in. I, I, I stayed with the company for um, uh, for such a long time now uh, because I really believe that uh, we can make a difference. And, and honestly, that's um, that's for me what I've learned in my more than 20 years now is that procurement can really have an impact on a lot of things that are uh, that mean a lot to me as a person, as a father, uh, as a family, uh, as a family person. And that's what I really like about it. And this is what I'm here for uh, in the company of trying to evangelize uh, a little bit and also what what yeah what keeps me up um, during the day what keeps me going to work. Jorg takes us back through the history of Jagger and its success in fulfilling indirect procurement initially before its evolution to becoming an entity offering so much more. Jagger um, is out there since 25 years or so now, I believe. Uh, it came together um, by by a lot of M&A. So I'm coming like from a branch that uh, that was local here to uh, to Austria. Um, uh, but since uh, since the last uh, years, it's uh, it's really a, a, a one of the largest procurement software vendors out there. Um, and what I really like about Jagger is uh, our vision of autonomous commerce. So what does this mean? First of all, it sounds weird for a procurement software vendor not to have the word procurement um, in this tagline, so to speak. But that's actually on purpose. 
Because when you think about it, what a procurement software really does, it's about communication and collaboration between buyers and sellers. And so I really feel that the word commerce is much better suited to talk about this space than simply procurement, because you can only drive value if you also include the sell side, the supplier into this whole equation. And the idea of autonomous commerce is basically to remove all friction points in the buyer-supplier relationship. That's really what it's about. So um, let's think a little bit about uh, the history of the, of the company, right? Um, so Jagger, uh, is for, for a while, was, was pretty, um, uh, pretty good at especially like the, what I call the indirect procurement, right? So the, the whole P2P processes and so on. So, so really, I have a demand. I need um, to get like my PO out to a supplier, buy stuff, pay for it, um, and have this done. That's really where a lot of our business came from. But this changed over the last 20 years. Um, and I'm sure we're going to talk about the last few years in particular later on. But over the last um, 20 years... There was also a lot about the whole source to contract process that's being added. That's so more important. Um, it's not just the execution, but also the strategy of how you build everything, how you find the right sources and so on. And as part of autonomous commerce, we found like four pillars to this, right? So it's, um, um, it's networked, intelligent, comprehensive, and extensible, right? It's nice, so it's very easy to remember. So network basically means... Um, you collaborate with your suppliers. So buyers, sellers, partners, everybody. It's, it's like the, um, the modern day town square where the commerce happens, basically. It's like the foundation of everything. Then it needs to be intelligent. Intelligent means it's not just the data that you have in there and the processes you have in there, but how do you intelligently use the data to drive the processes on the solution, right? So that's the second layer of it. Then you have the comprehensive. That's really like all the functions that you have in yeah. a very broad set of functions, right? So starting from span analytics, category management, supplier management, sourcing contracts, ePro, supply chain management, quality management. Um, so all of these uh, beautiful things, how they work together, that's what we call the comprehensive layer um, and finally um, extensibility and extensibility means a lot of different things it means being open to communicate with other systems because uh, we at Jagger we have a strategy of not being the best data provider out there because we are not a data company right we are process transactional um, uh, software company so we bring in a lot of data from the outside because this is necessary but this is what we focus on we bring all this data into the solution so you can make the right decisions and drive them throughout the procurement cycle that you build in our system that's one aspect and another aspect is um uh, not every company is the same. So extensibility also means how can I tailor the solution to my needs, right? So that's what the extensibility is. And this completes the nice picture that, um, that we try to work against here at Jagger. What I, what I try to, to tell our customers is we're not a custom shop. That's very important, right? So we don't develop on a, on a customer's um, uh, uh, spec. And um, people need to understand what is the difference between product and project, right? So we build a product. A product is here to serve a market, a broad market, right? I mean, um, uh, we uh, we want to earn money as a company. That's why we're here for it, right? So we have to serve a market. On the other hand, the project team, they want to make one customer happy, while the product team wants to make a market happy. And that's a big difference. So, But in order to, to close this gap, 
you have to build a product that is so configurable that your project team can make their customers happy. That's really how we try to solve these things. The procurement function is no longer seen as just a back office function hidden away out of sight from everyone else. Procurement has come to the fore and is an enabler for business today in 2023. Here, Jorg explains its true value in the market against the backdrop of significant disruption in recent years. I, I don't want to sound too drastic here, but um, I would say procurement is, is, a, is at a make or break moment currently. Um, uh, because for all the reasons you just mentioned, uh, you just mentioned supply chain and procurement were really in the spotlight in the last couple of years, right? So it's, um, oh my God, there is no shipments coming anymore. Oh my God, people are not buying the stuff that they bought before because like our whole way of life changed, right? So we were working from home and we were not going out um, uh, into restaurants, but we were buying frozen pizzas now. Um, and we did not buy new clothes because we were all in our trainers all day, right? So, I mean, it really changed um, us as a society. Um, and therefore, it was um, procurement and supply chain management was really in the spotlight because they needed to navigate all of this. And this is why expectations and visibility of these functions really, really rose um, during that time. But now is the critical point. Can those functions deliver the value um, uh, that, uh, that they should? And can they continue this momentum? Okay. And this is why I'm saying they're at the make or break moment. And there is a lot of companies um, um, that that really made this transition, that made this change, where procurement is an advisor to the business. And I think this is so critically important. Think about everything that's not going away, by the way, ESG, right? Um, all of this stuff, environmental stuff, human rights um, stuff, the whole governance of those different processes, this is not going away. And there is consumer demand for this. And for me, it's quite clear who needs to manage this uh, within the organization, which is procurement. Because for most organizations, and I'm I'm heavily leaning on the direct procurement side, so uh, very manufacturing heavy of, of buying the goods and services that you need for your products. Um, you buy most of this stuff. If you take an auto manufacturer as an example, um, it's more than 85% of the value of a car does not come from the automaker. It comes from the suppliers, right? So therefore, procurement is such a critical role of managing all of these different agendas um, that are board level topics today. Given the influence technologies had on workflows and processes, a digital transformation in procurement is a must. However, given the nature of the beast, everyone is in different stages of maturity. Jorg explains the challenging nature of digitalization and describes ever-changing customer demands. That's exactly what, what differentiates, uh, differentiates a great organization uh, uh, from uh, one that's probably more of a laggard um, or a less mature organization. Uh, let's, call it, let's call it like that. And... This is really, I believe, where technology can play a key role in all of this uh, to help you. Uh, interestingly enough, just to say this, uh, even though I'm coming from the from the technology side, technology alone is not the savior. Okay, that's the, I have to say that technology. You, you cannot slap technology on a problem and say it's done. That's not how it works, okay? You need to update your processes. You need to uplift the skill set. Um, but at one point in time, you will need technology to help you drive all of this, 
Okay, so it's always this combination of people, process, and technology to solve such things, and um, and uh, therefore I believe technology can help you and does help you and is absolutely necessary to solve most of these issues. To me personally, I believe that's one of the most challenging situations where we are in um, as a software provider um, because you want to cater to the most mature companies, uh, but many of your potential customers are not the most mature companies, right? So that, that's the balance that you, that you need to strike. So um, you have to be ahead of the curve. You have to be ahead of the market. Um, we take this very seriously. So we have... Um, a dedicated team that's only working on what we call innovation, which is basically new technologies. How can we use these new technologies? How can we bring this into the solution? Um, and how do we drive value for our customers um, with these things? So the way that we did this is we came up with what we call like a maturity matrix, where you can really um, um, see on which step of the maturity uh, scale you are right now. So it's basically five uh, five steps. Nobody is at step five. So the current technology as it exists today is at like at step four, okay? Um, and we are working on step five, okay? So this is constantly changing. But you as a customer, you can then say, okay, I'm a two at that process. I'm a three at that process. I'm maybe a one at that process. And where do I want to go? And what's like my financial gain in doing so? Should I even do this? Does this make sense for me as an organization? So we really try to work with those maturity models because it really helps us whenever we work with a customer to assess where they are um, and tell them this is where you can go. and This is what you can achieve by doing so. I love technology, right? But um, uh, in a business, we shouldn't do things just because we like them. They should drive value, right? And this is also why I, uh, why when I talk to people, I don't really care if it's driven by AI or not because it sounds fancy. Um, if I can solve the problem any different way, I will also take it if it solves my problem. So um, we always have to think about what, um, what really helps us as an organization. What does drive value? Because at the end, what are we here for? We are here for to make our customers successful. Okay, and how is success measured? Okay, um, you might have different KPIs um, in different organizations, but in the end, it's driving valuation and value for your company. That's what we're that's what we're here for, right? And this can be totally different. This can be higher customer satisfaction for our, for our customers. Okay, so higher customer satisfaction, um, higher shareholder value, all of those different things, and that's what we're here for. And we have to be very pragmatic about the means of how we do this, right? Because what works for one company potentially doesn't work for another company. And this is why the system needs to be so broad and so flexible to support all of those different scenarios. I've been a company for more than 20 years. We have many people with almost like a similar tenure than, uh, than I am or more than 10 plus years in this space. So we live and breathe procurement okay um, and it's always quite interesting to have the discussion with uh, with customers because when you're on the customer side how many of these projects did you actually do in your life if you have five it's a lot okay you potentially changed a lot of companies had a lot of different issues we do I don't know more than hundreds of projects every single year so I believe you have a lot of knowledgeable people that really know their stuff that um, uh, that work with many different customers in many different industries and of course we have the know-how of what, uh, what works with your peer group what doesn't work um, what you might think that should work but it actually doesn't so um, having this 
almost like this 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 consulting approach. We're not a consulting company, right? So we have a, a, a very um, very good partner ecosystem that helps us with that. But the know-how of what will work and what will not work is definitely something that sets us apart. With an eye on the future, Jorg explains that he expects procurement to follow the same path and is set to be heavily driven by data. He affirms that eradicating gut-feeling decision-making may hold the key. I believe it's just like continuing the path that we're on right now, um, which is getting more data and market intelligence into the uh, into the whole procurement process. So um, we have to get away from um, gut feeling decision making. Okay, so that's what we're that's what we're really after. How can how can we bring all the information that's needed uh, in procurement? into a solution have a data-driven decision-making. That's really what I believe we should do, okay? And you can already see a, a change. Again, let me go back 20 years. Uh, how did you award business, okay? It was basically done based on price, okay? So, yeah, you know, three bids and a buy, right? You went out there. Who was the cheapest one? Perfect. Let's go. Um, this changed, okay? Then we introduced things like total cost of ownership. Right? Where we said, okay, wait a second, maybe the cheapest one is not the best one because of the ongoing costs that we have. Still very cost-driven, but thinking more than just like the purchase value um, of the goods. Um, uh, and then we introduced other things like, well, wait a second, maybe um, the quality of that supply is also important. Or what does this past performance? And, and this um, made it into my decision-making. And what I'm seeing right now is um, the more strategic information Coming back to what we said before, environmental impact, what's human rights, entier visibility, super important topic. All of this should make a difference and should um, should influence my um, my decision making that I do in procurement, right? Because this is how I can drive my sustainability agenda of my company. This is how uh, I can drive my reliability um, uh, in my supply chain and all of this beautiful stuff. So. This is really where I see procurement going is um, taking in all of this information, be the advisor to the business and make the right decision to drive the company strategy. When I, when I look at the problems that we solved in, in, in the humble beginnings, when I started, so I started in 2001, um, uh, one of the first processes that we did was a, um, a sourcing process of um, uh, of parts based on drawings, okay? Uh, just remember, that was 2000 and, well, when was that, 2003 or something like this? You know how this was done? Um, there were CDs burned uh, with, the, with the drawing file and sent across the globe for suppliers to access the drawing to give you a quote. So just think about how long it took to receive a quote back then um, um, and like the logistical effort, just like to burning CDs with the right file and then, oops, it was the wrong file and do everything over again. Um, so that was a huge advantage. Nowadays, we don't think about this anymore, right? So we have direct integration to a PLM system. We pull the latest drawing and it's accessible online by everyone. And um, so very, very different. And, um, and this is the whole transformation that technology can do. I say we are always in in the um, in the digitalization business as a software as a service company. Everything you do is digitalization, but this is not the same thing as the digital transformation. I believe this is where people 
get a little bit confused from time to time what it really is because I want to a picture that I really liked. Uh, digital transformation is not um, is not the faster caterpillar. It's the caterpillar becoming the butterfly. So it's really transforming into something different. And um, that's what we're seeing a lot, that, that companies change their business model. They, they, they run their business totally different than before. And how can um, procurement help with that? And how can, as an extension of this, how can we as a software provider help procurement be the, uh, the team that helps uh, with this within the organization? Reflecting on his procurement journey, Jorg looks back on the past and questions whether he would change anything if equipped with the knowledge he knows today. I would personally, and this is probably very, very personal, um, put more emphasis on the whole network piece of it. I believe we as an industry did us a disservice of not looking close enough to the supplier um, who is a very important stakeholder here. We were too much focused on the buyer because these are usually the, um, the ones paying for the software, to be fully honest. So the supplier was, uh, were the ones who access, um, uh, who access the software, but um, this was not like a revenue driver usually, right? Um, and I believe that was a mistake. And this is something that autonomous commerce really tries to solve um, uh, and look at it more holistically about everyone who's involved in, uh, um, in the decision-making. Thank you for listening to the CPO Strategy Podcast, brought to you by CPO Strategy Magazine and B2E Media Limited. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to like, subscribe and review. And don't forget to check out our podcast archive at www.cpostrategypodcast.com. Thank you.